Welcome to our special edition Leadership Lessons CPHI podcast series, created for the CPHI Festival of Pharma, the world's largest virtual gathering for the pharmaceutical industry. Where over 10 days, the global pharma industry will meet, network, partner, and learn virtually in an expo environment. Now, more than ever, effective leadership in pharma is crucial to safeguard teams, ensure continuity of production and supply, and ultimately deliver medicines to patients. In this Leadership Lessons podcast series, sponsored by Roquette, we tackle a variety of challenges facing today's pharma leaders. Hello and welcome to the CPHI podcast, part of the Festival of Pharma virtual event, where we bring into focus the current issues affecting global pharma supply chains. I'm Gareth Carpenter, Pharma Editor at Informa Markets, and in today's podcast, we're taking a look at how the pharma industry should look at this disruptive event that is the coronavirus pandemic through the lens of its effect on its human capital practices. With the ongoing global pandemic forcing most businesses to shelter in place and work remotely, the need for meaningful connection fostering overall well-being has risen as one of the most critical aspects leaders must address. The forced hard stop in the way companies are run and business is done evokes the perfect opportunity to re-evaluate all human capital practices, remove those that dehumanise the workplace and reinvent new management practices that activate the individual contribution that makes work a fulfilling part of life rather than a chore that must be endured. Leadership Lessons brought to you by CPHI Podcast Series and in partnership with Rocket. I'm very pleased to say I'm joined by management consultant Dr. Elise Cortez, who's going to look at how the COVID-19 pandemic has severely disrupted human capital practices, but also provided businesses with several opportunities to re-evaluate their processes and optimise their workflows. First of all, Elise, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Gareth. It's so great to be here with you. And it's great that you can join us. Before we kick off, Elisa, I wonder if you could just introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about yourself and what you do. Absolutely. I think it'll be helpful for our listeners to understand my perspective to the conversation we're going to be having today. First and foremost, as you said, it's easiest to think of me as a management consultant, and I specialize in meaning and purpose. And where a lot of my perspective comes from is I'm also a meaning and work and identity researcher. So my PhD is in human development, and I looked at how people experience work in relation to their sense of self. And so I understand very much how the world of work influences people's sense of self and their identities and their lives. I'm also what's called a logotherapist. And what that really means is that I understand the importance and the motivational element inherent in being able to discover meaning across our lives and certainly at work. I have been hosting a radio show called Working on Purpose for five and a half years. And so what that has done for me has given me a fantastic catalyst to ongoing develop my own thought leadership and my stance on the world of work because I'm having a conversation almost weekly with someone who knows something more about the topic than I do. So they lead me into a higher realm of understanding. I'll also say, too, that a lot of my perspective has been compiled into my new book that's coming out in November called Purpose Ignited. So what I'm sharing today will also, you'll recognize that it's come in the form of what I've compiled there. And so it represents my thought leadership. And then finally, I'll say too that I am a Gallup certified strengths coach. So I look at, again, 
the world of work through the vantage point of how do we unlock human potential and ignite their passion. So that will help our listeners better understand where I'm coming from on our conversation. Okay, well, we've got some very topical issues to discuss, Elise, and it sounds like you're perfectly positioned to do that. So if I can just ask you, first of all, coronavirus, it's now been around six months, obviously differing on a country-to-country basis. Since businesses had to shut down their offices and confine the vast majority of their workforces to remote working, what's your overall judgment on how well the business world has executed their business continuity plans so far? Well, I think if you step back and really look at that question, Gareth, I think the answer I have to give you is it's all over the board, right? So we've seen organizations completely reinvent themselves and innovate and their record revenues, right, off the charts. I don't know that this would be an example of an off-the-chart revenue generator, but I did know, for example, of we know that the airlines and the hospitality businesses have been completely wiped in terms of their revenues. But here's a great example of how one organization, Korean Airlines, what they did in all this is they pivoted, which is where they said, okay, people aren't flying on airlines, but you know what needs to go on airlines? Cargo. So what did they do? They took out the seats inside the planes so that they can actually fill them up with cargo for the passenger area as well as below in the belly. And that is a great example of pivoting and being able to innovate and meet the changing demands of what this pandemic has served up. And so that's an example of how an organization has done something really well to pivot this. But then on the other end of that, right, Gareth, we've seen so many organizations that unfortunately no longer exist, right? I mean, I can drive through my neighborhood and see shuttered store windows that, you know, a lot of retail went awry. So, you know, that example of how do we actually literally change direction while we're in the throes of a hurricane or an earthquake, that's been the order of the day. And so I think the tremendous spectrum of how organizations have responded to this is, is incredibly compelling and something we'll be learning from for years to come. And the employees of any company during a a crisis such as this, they're going to be looking for those core values of leadership. So what are the biggest challenges for the leaders of organizations, the CEOs, the managers during this global pandemic? You know, again, coming from my perspective here and, and, and working with the organizations that I am today, I would say that one of the number one challenges that leaders and businesses are facing is having to address and deal with the low morale that's being registered among employees in the workforce today. It has been incredibly stressful for the last six months as we've been in lockdown and working remotely. And so then there's the whole notion of uncertainty for the future. Where is this thing going to go? When will it ever end? We don't know any of that. And the fear of what if I have lost my job? What if I can't pay my mortgage? And all the sort of things that are happening with regard to not being able to ascertain any clear direction. So the burnout that employees are experiencing. I I coach a lot of different people inside organizations and they talk about just how they don't know how they're going to get through the next day. And so the well-being aspect of employment is incredibly something that's important to address today and really a problem for leaders. Related to that is, of course, the workforce concerns. So when we think about what does it take to actually keep employees being productive and meaningfully connected in this time, so consider that now that I think it's like 70% of the organizations across the world have been registering that at least they'll have people working from home at least one day a week. That's a lot of remote work. And so when you think about what does that mean for a household, 
let's say that both people, maybe if there are two people, two adults working in the household, they're both working, so they're sharing a Wi-Fi connection and workspace. Now we've got to add in children or other people related to the family who need time and attention, and now we're helping to school our children. Oh my gosh. And so it's incredible how much demand has been put on people to remain productive in this time. And then let's add one more fun element, shall we? And that is that as the COVID pandemic starts to change and morph into a different future, what that will be, we don't know. Some of the organizations start to bring people back into work, into their offices. I can pretty much guarantee that there will be some kind of a trend of employees wishing to look for a different employment option in order to remain working at home. So this is going to be a huge, huge shift in in how organizations need to continue managing their workforce going forward and supporting them and keeping them wanting to be around. Another, There's two other things I want to say about challenges. The next one, of course, I already addressed, the market growth, right? I am such in awe of the organizations that have really done a phenomenal job at being able to recognize where can we drive growth? Where can we sustain it? How can we create new products and services? I think there was a number of from Vistage that came out. About half of the organizations that they surveyed, those organizations had created new products and services during the pandemic and now fully expect to continue putting them forth in the economy. How fantastic is that? But being able to see that opportunity, go looking for it is incredible. So creating that demand and being able to supply for it. And then finally, we mentioned before the uncertainty. I think that that cannot be overlooked as to how important that is for leaders and business leaders to recognize that they are really stewarding an uncertain ship. And what I've also seen, Gareth, that's so interesting is, to your point earlier, people desperately need to be able to see that their leader is visible. Their leader has some idea of looking for a, a positive way forward. I've talked to so many people who say, I can't find my leader. They're nowhere to be found. And I'm sure they're probably burrowed under their own desk trying to figure out what to do next is well understandable, right? But navigating all of that uncertainty, these are huge areas of leadership concern today. Of course. And it may seem a little crude of me to suggest that as well as the challenges, the pandemic can throw up lots of opportunities for businesses. But hasn't this crisis at least allowed companies to reassess how they view their workforces and activities and thereby eliminate or update some of the ones that were not working so well previously? I absolutely, to my core, hope so, Gareth. And so let me back up and say that in relation to looking at that opportunity here, one of the things that I would encourage leaders to consider is that they're not going to ever have all the information. They're going to have to make some intuitive decisions here, but to go looking for different perspectives about how they can do things differently and to rely on some of their own instincts and judgments while being able to take in information from other sources as they navigate forward and certainly related to human capital processes. I have said since the beginning of the pandemic that I think it has offered a fantastic opportunity to reevaluate everything about a business, its customers, how it serves its customers, and absolutely how it interacts with, supports, and nurtures its workforce. And so what I have seen some organizations do is they're like, well, the ground is moving under our feet anyway. Let's look at everything that we've been assuming is important about how we function, how we serve our customers, how we hire, how we train, how we motivate, how we evaluate performance, and look for what's slow, what's a slog. And so I think that if we miss the opportunity to do this now, we've really missed a golden opportunity. 
Let's just put the clock back, say six, seven months um, pre-pandemic, where most businesses were office-based, etc., and remote working was something that was done, you know, on a temporary basis at most. Are there any practices now that um, businesses have looked at that were in existence before this pandemic struck us that sort of not that you would say were not really beneficial to either employers or employees? Oh, gosh, where do we start from that one, Gareth? Wow. Okay, first, <laughs> first we let me say that I've had the fantastic privilege of having Marcus Buckingham on my, on my radio show, and he co-authored a book called Nine Lies About Work. I've learned and I align with so much of what he says. But first and foremost, there was the big idea that people couldn't be productive working from home, right? Now we've seen that blown open. We've seen all kinds of innovation happen in this environment. It's, it's incredible. And I would absolutely say, and this is so huge, Gareth, is that whole notion that some of these practices that people can't be trusted to work from home, that they'll just play and do laundry and cook and watch shows. I think that that has certainly shown to be completely erroneous. And so this whole notion that if you look at the Gallup organization says that 85% of the global workforce prior to the pandemic didn't want to go to work on Monday or whenever the workforce, whenever the shift started, at this point, what we've realized is there must be a reason for that. And so now the pandemic has really helped us see some of the, the things that were problematic there. So some of the things that I would just, I just have to call out that I think are completely, that need to be considered and maybe entirely thrown out in an organization in terms of practices. Number one, big time, the annual performance review and the forced ranking that goes with it. Can we please just entirely chuck that whole thing, right? Instead, consider replacing it with even a quarterly review or a check-in. And more often, we're seeing organizations just go for like monthly informal check-ins to see where are you on track, where do you need help, where can we help you grow. That would be much more beneficial to the individual and the organization. So that's one practice for sure. And then there's having started my human capital career 20 years ago in recruiting, it's still true today as it was then that organizations require people to stay in jobs for six months or even two years before they can be considered for another role. Why? So you've completely taken away their motivation, their ability to make a difference somewhere in the organization elsewhere because you have a rule about staying in one job. And then another thing that I absolutely, I believe from the fundamental core of my being that needs to be eradicated is fixed working hours. We are a company that starts at eight o'clock and you are here until five o'clock. Why? So if you can instead have more of a sliding schedule or a flow cadence that allows people to be able to flex that with the rest of their lives so that they have a whole overall life experience with you that is much more satisfactory and nurturing. Now you've got somebody who's more committed to you. At this point, what it says is you must adapt yourself to us. And I just think that it's completely backwards. And then, of course, the hierarchy. I think a lot of organizations have let go of the notion that there needs to be a command and control where all communication has to go up through and can only go through the immediate supervisor or manager, but it still is out there, right? And so being able to remove some of those barriers of communication, connection, um, giving even ideas is so important. We've already talked about the idea of the fixed workplace, that work can only be done in one place, whether it's the plant or the office. We've already learned that that's already been turned up upside down in its head. But those are some of the practices that I highly suggest should be looked upon inside an organization to consider how to change them or remove them entirely. Roquette 
is recognized as a global leader in plant-based ingredients, plant proteins, and a provider of pharmaceutical excipients. We address the current and future societal challenges by looking at the potential of nature to offer the best ingredients for food, nutrition and health, to enable healthier lifestyles and critical components to life-saving medicines. The team at Roquette is committed to leading as a technology partner and trusted supplier all over the world, whilst providing innovative and high-quality technical support. For more about us and how we want to unlock healthier futures, visit www.roquette.com forward slash pharma. Alice, in what ways can leaders optimise the workforces, though, if they are physically distanced from each other on this permanent basis? Mm-hmm. I'm going to offer several ideas here, Gareth. There's so many things that I think organizations can do. And the first and foremost is really to set clear expectations with the workforce and the employees. You know, this is the work that we're doing. We do need to meet these particular deliverables in this particular time. So to encourage employees to allocate their calendars, when are you available? So now since we're working virtually, what happens is we run into time zone problems, right? So maybe you've got to call at 10 p.m. or it's starting the first one at 6 a.m. So allowing employees to be able to, to bucket out when they are actually available to do work. And then, of course, checking in to their schedules to see if there are any persistent challenges that are getting in the way of their productivity or their health and happiness. So clear expectations as to when work can and will be done. Next, of course, really staying connected and communicating. And I know that sounds so silly and simple, but Collaboration is so important, right? And so we can't assume that just because somebody's on a Zoom call, they're all good and fine. And so we need to make sure as organizations that they have the tools that they need to connect. So whether that's you know high-speed internet, whether that's a good camera for their computer. But the other thing too is moving away from just digital communications and actually picking up the phone and just checking in on people. So important that they can hear your voice, the tone, you're reaching out, you care about them. So these are all ways to lift people during this time. Next, and I'm very big on this in general, but certainly in a time like this, we need to foster a growth mindset in, inside organizations. And so what that really means is that we're helping our people to recognize that no matter where you are, there's always room for you to contribute your ideas and that there's always room for stretching and growing and that you can do more than you really are today. And we celebrate that. And by the way, along the celebration path, we're also celebrating when we fail. We've now learned what doesn't work. Let's get over that quickly. Yay, we figure that out. Next. That is so important to be able to embrace that because what you don't want is people stopping their innovation because they feel frozen for being judged if they didn't do it right. Next, this is so huge. This is so important. If you all hear nothing else, please capture this. Manage accomplishments and not activity. If, you're, if you are really an organization that's monitoring how many hours people are sitting at their desks or their computer, you've missed the whole point. What you want to do instead is actually celebrate what actually gets done. And so when people meet their individual and collective performance goals, that is what you call out and celebrate. That's what you look for, not how much time they're spending or looking at a computer screen. Next idea is that an organization and their leaders create a visual scoreboard 
So a way to be able to showcase and celebrate, hey, look, this is what we're doing together as an organization during this time. Even though we may be coming at it from all over the world, different parts of the country, together, this is what we're doing. Look at the amazing work that we've done. So finding a way to be able to continually show the team, this is where we're going. What that does is that energizes them and it shows them that their efforts really do matter individually and together as a team. So there are lots of ways you can do that with, you know, spreadsheets, you can do it with a PDF or a presentation or some kind of a video presentation, but definitely calling out that accomplishment is so important. It's not super surprising I would bring up leveraging technology, but we do have to look for ways to look for the ongoing online collaboration. And that might mean sometimes that you do need to help your employees upgrade their internet connection to more of a higher speed or improve their camera so that they can actually be part of the conversation. Um, But technology is going to be an ongoing investment for sure. And the last thing I have to say on this one, Gareth, and this this is the most important one for last, is you have to trust your team. I had the privilege of having Bob Chapman on my radio show a couple of weeks ago, and he is the CEO and chairman of the board of a company called Barry Waymiller. And they are all about this notion of truly human leadership, which starts with trust. So where I see organizations going off the rails is they don't trust their employees to do their work and to be productive. And that bleeds all over the place. And of course, if you don't trust me, why would I trust you? And so if we extend our hand as organizations and say, I trust you to make the right choices, I trust you to give your best. It's amazing what that opens in the way of employees reaching back out and saying, oh my gosh, I've been craving that trust. Let me bend over backwards for you. So I wanted to give as much as I could on that one, Gareth, because it's so, so important, but that's what I would offer for that question. Thank you very much for that, Elise. I wanted to now just hone in a little bit on recruitment, obviously a very vital process to reinvigorating organizations. Many managers value face-to-face interaction as the best way for them to decide if a candidate is right for a role in their team. So bearing in mind this situation we find ourselves in now, is hiring by Zoom really an adequate replacement given that it perhaps gives candidates the opportunity to cheat a bit and have hidden crib sheets, etc.? In a nutshell, is recruitment going to become more problematic in this post-COVID world? You know, I love this question, Gareth, because remember, I started my career in human capital in recruiting. And so recruiting at the end of the day is like, it's like, it's, it's like dating, right? And so what, what are we doing? We're each of us evaluating the other. And so I don't know that so much the question is, is Zoom an appropriate way to try to hire? Rather, how do we actually situate a conversation and connection so that both parties can evaluate the other? And where it gets hardest and most problematic, I think, is for the candidate to be able to understand and assess, is this the kind of culture that I want to opt into? That's the hardest part. So I frankly don't see a problem with them using crib sheets. If they care about the interview, they want the job, they're preparing, they're reaching to do their best, well, let's reward that. I think at the end of the day, what we have to get to is how do we make that experience of interacting with the prospective employer a favorable one? Years ago, I I had an online Um, feedback portal that was really servicing candidate experience. It's so, so important because you're trying to welcome in prospective talent and and evaluate whether or not they're a good fit and can contribute to the organization. And so what I would say instead of thinking about how do we evaluate via Zoom is how do we remove the roadblock so that people can more meaningfully and authentically interact with you as a prospective employer? So that means please stop these ridiculous 
you know, multi-level assessments people have to go through to, to apply for a job. And let's actually look at each one of your candidates, even briefly, versus just letting the applicant tracking system weed them out for you. And then what I would also say, too, is organizations that are going to win in this thing are getting much better at articulating who they are. Who, what's their brand? What do they stand for? What's their purpose? What's the vision that they see when they execute to that purpose in the world? That is a far better way to recruit so people can actually opt into that or away from it than it is to consider how do we weed out and try to evaluate whether or not somebody is cheating or, you know, doesn't have the right skills or whatever. Again, that's turning things on its head again, right? So there's so much room to improve how organizations will acquire new talent throughout the pandemic and beyond. Looking at this from the other side as well, I mean, you you mentioned earlier, you gave many good examples of how remote working works. But on the flip side, there are certain employees who actually really miss the office environment and are actually complaining of remote working fatigue to their managers. How do managers deal with um, situations like that, where it's a situation where, you know, they have to say, well, I I can't move you back into an office? I really appreciate that qualitative question. Well, the first thing is absolutely employers and leaders are very well served to first acknowledge, oh my gosh, I'm with you. This has really been a hard slog. There's nothing like empathy, right? To be able to open a conversation and meaningfully connect people together. So this is real. I mean, I I don't know how many articles that I've read about it's okay to be not okay, right? And it isn't. There's a lot of people that are really struggling with this. And you know, from a psychological vantage point, some of the more introverted kinds of people are doing just well with this. They like the the ability to work on their own, et cetera. But the extroverted people are having a hard time with the lack of connection and being able to see eyeballs, et cetera. So acknowledging that and, and finding a way to support that is important. So a few things that can be done to address that is to try to build more effective routines and help employees set boundaries, as we've mentioned before. People can't work 24-7, and they shouldn't be expected to work 24-7, especially, again, across the time zones. So to be able to help employees say, well, this is when I'm available, put it on my calendar, this is when you can book a, a meeting with me, et cetera, and this is when I'm actually going to be with my family or exercising or doing whatever else it is. And and being able to tell employees, we want you to do this for yourself because we value you, we need you, and we want you, and you need to do this for yourself. And then the other thing that I would also say, and this goes back to so much around meaning and purpose, is this takes articulating over and over again, focusing on the bigger picture, the vision of what the company is doing in the world, and most importantly, how that individual employee is working to contribute that to make it so. What's their place in being able to make this company hum and make a difference in the world? When employees can see that, when they see they individually matter, they can get through almost anything. And so your opportunity as a leader is to make sure that everybody on your team knows what their contribution is and why they matter. And then absolutely encouraging the team to find ways to refresh. Whether that means between meetings, I want you to go and walk around your block for five minutes or whatever it is, whatever works for you, and that you inculcate that and bake that into your operational format is all things that I would suggest. Then finally, since we've seen that one of the biggest problems in this pandemic has been Um, mental well-being. Organizations are really well-served to find ways to give people access to mental and well-being tools and, and resources, whether it's counseling, whether it's some way to be able to develop their personal interests and abilities, um, ways to support. This is like an, an employee benefit, like job number one at this point. So those are the th- a few thoughts on that one. 
Elise, in your view, I mean, the, again, I, I suspect that the answer to this depends on the company, but are companies, in your view, doing enough to prepare and adjust to this new normal environment, do you think? Well, again, it depends, right? There's, there, as you said, it's all over, all over the board. Some companies are doing stellar work in that regard and others aren't. I would say that, you know, the vast majority have a real opportunity to step up their game. And, and let me be, you know, let me be empathetic here. This is a hard road that we're on, all of us together, and we are in this together. And everybody needs help. Every leader needs help. Every organization needs help. And so what I wanted to do in this conversation was to offer as much perspective and idea and possibility as I could to try to reach across the aisle to lift up and help leaders and organizations because they're going to need it. As far as I could say, there will never be a new normal. Whatever we have gone through before will never come back again. We're just entering a new space, a new arena, and we don't even know what that is yet. And finally, Elise, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you, I mean, if you had to choose, what would be the one take-home message that this pandemic has taught leaders, CEOs, managers about the way we've been working up until now? I suppose I would come back to a message that has been really important to me for the last couple of years. And that is that work has become so dehumanizing. And we have an opportunity now to really find our way back to meaningful connection, celebrating the unique individual who shows up every day and helping them step into their shine, as I like to say, and grow into their greatness in order to, in order to become the person that they are meant to become. That actually is the message of the book I've got coming out, which is called Purpose Ignited. So I believe foundationally in that. And so really at the end of the day for organizations to stop doing those things that really do dehumanize the work environment at the expense of the human soul and unleash the passion, elevate the cause, help their employees see how they matter profoundly to the organization. Those are all opportunities that we have here. And I think if we can embrace even a portion of that going forward, Gareth, we have won the game. Alice, thank you very much indeed. It's been um, truly fascinating. That's it for today's CPHI podcast, part of our Festival of Pharma, bringing the global pharma industry to you. Please do tune into our next podcast. Until then, thanks very much for listening, and we wish you all a pleasant day ahead. You're listening to Leadership Lessons by the CPHI podcast series, and in partnership with Rocket. Rocket.